Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Blessed Sunday to all of you. I'm not sure if 2021 has been good to you, but one thing I know for sure, our God is good all the time, even through the ups and downs of life. Amen? Amen. Today we will continue on our journey in the book of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn them with me to Joshua chapter 10. We will be reading from verse 1 to verse 14. Joshua chapter 10, verse 1 to 14. Let's read God's word together. As soon as Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and have devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than I, and all its men were warriors. So Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, do not relax your hand from your servants. Come to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon, and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makedah. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Aijilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Joshua? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since, when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel." May God bless the reading of His Word. I can vividly remember back when I was 
in early grade school at Hope Christian High School. Whenever two of my classmates fight or have a conflict with each other, a few minutes later, both of them will start approaching my other classmates to tell them not to be friends with the other. They will say, Oi, diba bati tayo? Diba friends tayo? So wag mo kausapin si ano ha? Di kami bati eh. Kasi selfish siya. Di niya ako pinahiram ng eraser niya. I'm sure most of you have witnessed what I'm talking about when you were a kid. Or maybe some of us have done it ourselves when we were kids. Or maybe even now that we are already adults. But of course, not in the same manner as kids do it. It is only human nature to, for people to look for allies or supporters, especially in times of conflict and crisis, or to affiliate themselves to a side that will give them the most advantage. And that is what we see happening here in Joshua chapter 10. In light of the Israelites' conquest of the Promised Land, the Canaanite kings, their enemies, are joining forces with each other, some even with them, to try to survive the threat that is befalling upon them. In fear of the Israelites, they made an alliance to attack one of their own, the Gibeonites, who have sided themselves with God's people. This poses another hindrance for Joshua and the Israelites as they take control of the land. But with all these transpiring, with their enemies ganging up upon them, God wants to teach them and all of us today that in victory we can rely when the Lord is our ally. In victory we can rely when the Lord is our ally. Brothers and sisters, let us keep our Bibles open to Joshua chapter 10 as we discover this truth in our passage today. First, let us look at Israel's unexpected ally, the Gibeonites. They were an unexpected ally to the Israelites because they weren't supposed to have any allies among the Canaanites. If you remember three weeks ago when we talked about Rahab, we learned that God commanded the Israelites to devote to complete destructions all their enemies in Canaan. So, being a Canaanite city, why was the Gibeonite spared of this judgment? To understand how this happened, we must look back at the preceding chapter, chapter 9. And the story went in that when the Gibeonites learned of what the Israelites did to the city of Jericho and the city of Ai, they feared the Israelites and they planned a ruse to deceive them in making a covenant with them. It's in Joshua chapter 9, verse 8 to 9. It says, They said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? They said to him, From a very distant country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard a report of him and all that he did in Egypt. So you see, they pretended to be travelers from outside of Canaan so that the Israelites will not attack them. And they told Joshua that they want to make a covenant with the Israelites so that they will not be destroyed. And in return, they will serve them as slaves. 
you know, this seemed like an acceptable and harmless agreement. And so Joshua and the rest of the leaders agreed and made a covenant with the Gibeonites. But if you look at our Bibles, the narrator quickly tells us in chapter 9, verse 14, that the Israelites did not consult with the Lord regarding this covenant, hinting that it was done against the Lord's will. And true enough, after three days, the Israelites found out about, their, uh, about um, Gibeonites' ruse to them, that they were... They found out that they were really Canaanites. But they have, now, they have no choice now but to honor the covenant with them, to spare them, to spare their enemy of whom the Lord commanded them to destroy. And then as we go to chapter 10, we hear one of the Canaanite king reacting to this new coalition, and he was greatly troubled because the Gibeonites were a strong people. In Joshua 10 verse 2, he, it says that, that he feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than I, and all its men were warriors. Now, upon reading this, we might think, oh, how nice. What a lucky mistake the Israelites made. It was not a bad agreement after all. Having a city of warriors on their side will greatly help them in their conquest of the promised land. But as we go through the rest of the story, we will quickly realize that this was not the case. The Gibeonites were more trouble than help to the Israelites because they were the ones who were in need of immediate assistance, asking Joshua for help. In, verse 10, in chapter 10, verse 6, it said, and the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So, as we can all see, Israel's alliance with this city of warriors was not only unexpected, but also unnecessary. Very few people know that I am a football, uh, a football fan. Not the football you can only play with your legs, no. Uh, but the one that you can play with your hands. American football. And since it is the football season, the Super Bowl just a day away, for the past weeks I have been raving to Pastor Wiljo about my team, the Green Bay Packers and their MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers. I'm such a big fan of Aaron Rodgers that I even bought one of his jerseys. I have them at home. I was raving to Pastor Wiljo that this year will be the year we will surely get to the Super Bowl and win it all. The way Aaron Rodgers is playing, there is no chance they can be beaten. And of course, being my constant frenemy, Pastor Wiljo rooted for an opposing team. And then when our team met in the conference championship, guess whose team lost? My team lost. And let me tell you, honestly, I was so brokenhearted. Brokenhearted because I put my championship hopes on one man, my guy, Aaron Rodgers, who was only human after all. As you can see, when we put our hopes on a mere person, 
on a teammate, on an ally, disappointment will eventually follow. Many people think that when we get the most talented player, the strongest guy, the strongest ally, then victory is guaranteed. But what we see in our passage today is that that is not true. Victory is not guaranteed by having the strongest ally. Victory is not guaranteed by having the strongest ally. Many times we put our hope on someone or something to get us through the problems and challenges in life that as long as we have that person, that job, that business, our life is safe and secured. But let me tell you that I have made this mistake many times. And my hope has been crushed many times. Because nothing, no person in this world, no matter how good, no matter how strong and powerful they are, can ever guarantee you victory in life. Having the strongest ally or allies cannot guarantee victory. Brothers and sisters, just like the Israelites, we must understand that victory is not guaranteed by having strong allies, but by having the Lord as our ally. The, Israels, the Israelites didn't need the help of the Gibeonites. In fact, it is the other way around. The Gibeonites needed the Israelites' help because the Israelites have the Lord on their side. As you can see, in victory you can rely when the Lord is your ally. Now, moving on. In this, in this passage, it's not only the Gibeonites who wanted to team up with someone. The other Canaanite kings also wanted to team up with one another to face the threat of the invading Israelites. Let's look at our Bibles, Joshua chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 3 to 4. It says there that, So Adonizedek, the king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. What we see here is the five Canaanite cities coming together, forming a coalition. They made an alliance to fight against the Israelites, to fight against God's people. And their first target is one of their own, the Gibeonites, who turned their back against them and joined forces with their enemy. Knowing of the military capabilities of the Gibeonites, they thought it, they thought it good to eliminate these traitors first to disarm the Israelites. But unfortunately, they thought wrong. Unlike the Gibeonites, the Canaanite coalition, the five kings, the five cities, did not realize the source of Israel's strength. The source of Israel's strength was not their allies, but their divine ally, who is the Lord himself. But what these Canaanite cities did was not surprising. It was the most logical thing to do. When someone threatens your way of life, of course, you defend it. You will do most anything. You team up with most anyone just to ensure your survival. They were unwilling and unable to submit themselves to the authority and rule of the God of the Israelites. And so, they raised their banner against Him 
in open revolt. You know, even until now, we see the same thing. People in open revolt against God. And just like the Israelites, if you are on the side of God, then expect many enemies. Expect people joining forces together against you. People teaming up with one another to challenge your beliefs, to challenge your way of life. You know, this should not come as a surprise to us because Jesus already warned his disciples that this will happen. In John 15, verse 18 to 20, it says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Brothers and sisters, here is the hard reality. Expect more opposition than allies if you are a true follower of our Lord. Expect more opposition than allies if you are a true follower of our Lord. Do not expect people to comfortably accept your beliefs. Instead, expect them to gang up on you as the Canaanite coalition did to Gibeon and the Israelites. And be ready. The world will never agree with you if you are a follower of Christ because creation has always been in open revolt against its creator ever since the beginning of time. That is why Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 34 to 36, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemy, enemies will be those of his own household. That is why being a follower of Christ is never easy, as many people, even Christians, wrongly believe. There is a cost in following our Lord, and that is why many people choose to drop out of the faith because they cannot handle the pressure of the opposition. Many would rather live in sin than to lose the acceptance of friends and family. Many would choose to ignore their Christian values rather than risk losing their comfortable lives or their security. Many would choose to go with the flow rather than go against it, fearing that they will be rejected or humiliated by others. But you know what? I remember one one Christian DJ said, a Christian DJ said, Only dead fish goes with the flow. Only dead fish goes with the flow. Brothers and sisters, expect more opposition than allies if you are a true follower of our Lord. But just as our Lord said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed by the number of enemies and do not be swayed by their threats and intimidation. Instead, completely submit yourselves to our Lord and to his word. 
though it may be it may be hard even though you may face persecution rejection humiliation or even execution do not change sides do not seek the security and protection of worldly allies for even the strongest allies in this world do not guarantee victory instead Take comfort on what our Lord promised in Matthew 5, verse 11 to 12. He said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Remember that in victory you can rely when the Lord is your ally. Now, how can we be sure of this truth? How can we know for sure that victory is assured as long as the Lord is our ally? Let's look at the remaining passages. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 8 to 10. It says there, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them, suddenly having marched up all night from Gilgal, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon, and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. Here, we hear and we see of the Lord's counsel to Joshua, not to fear the Canaanite coalition, for they will be completely defeated. And so Joshua led the Israelite army to rescue the Gibeonites by engaging them, engaging the joint Canaanite armies. And indeed, they struck them and chased them away. But we must be careful not to think it was because of the combined strength of the Israelite and the Gibeonite army that earned them the victory. Because the author was perfectly clear who was responsible for the swift victory. In verse 10, it says that the Lord threw their army into a panic. And in verse 11, it continued saying, As they fled before Israel, they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon. The Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. And there were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. The author wants to be very clear that it was the Lord's power that defeated the Canaanite coalition and not the Israelite-Gibeonite alliance. Indeed, in victory we can rely when the Lord is our ally. And if that wasn't enough to convince us all of this truth, the passage, the passage continues on to say that in this battle, Joseph commanded the sun and the moon to stop where they are, and they did. The earth stood still to give the Israelite army the advantage against their enemies. Now, many people theorize that this was only a figure of speech to describe the productivity of that day. And even some say that it was probably only an eclipse but as you can see, the Bible rules out all of those theory when it says in verse 14, there has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man 
for the Lord fought for Israel. There has been no day like it before or since. That means it has never happened before. So it was probably not just an eclipse. And this happens to tell us that the Lord fought for Israel. How did all this happen? Because the Lord fought for Israel. You see, brothers and sisters, in victory, you can rely when the Lord is your ally. Even if all the earth goes against you to fight you, as long as the Lord fights on your side, victory is guaranteed. Because the Lord can even stop the whole earth from turning. So now, brothers and sisters, the important question is, how do you know that the Lord fights on your side? How can we be confident of this truth without being presumptuous? We simply go back to His Word. In Psalms 34, verse 15 to 16, it says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off from the memory of them from the earth. How do you know if the Lord fights on your side? When we live in righteousness and not in sin. Even if you are being mistreated by your spouse or your family, or even if you are being persecuted and humiliated by your friends, when you walk on the side of God, when you walk in righteousness, then you know God is on your side. And He hears you. And He will deliver you. But on the other hand, if you, even if you professed you are a Christian, you shout to all the world you are a Christian, you are baptized by your church, but you continue to live in sin, cheating in your marriage, cheating in your business, oppressing the weak, then you would be a fool to think that God is on your side. Because he is not. As Jesus told his disciples, although people might call him Lord, Lord, he will simply answer them, I do not know you. So, how do you know you're on God's side? Live in righteousness and not in sin. How else can we know that God is on our side? Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans. In Romans 8, verse 31 to 32, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Brothers and sisters, this is the greatest proof and evidence that God fights on our side that He gave His one and only Son for us to die on the cross to save us from our sins. You know, we were all enemies of God. We were all rebels who didn't want to submit to God, who deserved to be completely destroyed. Indeed, we were no better than the Canaanites whom God devoted to complete destruction because we have all sinned against Him. We have all rebelled against Him. And yet, 
we're here. And yet, we're forgiven because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us, giving us victory through eternal life to those who will trust Him as their Lord and Savior. And even though we are surrounded by enemies, more opposition than allies, we need not worry because His promise is, is that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Brothers and sisters, are you looking for an ally? Or do you feel that the world is ganging up on you? Then choose your ally wisely. Choose the Lord as your ally. Choose Jesus, the one who gave up his life for you, to be your ally. Indeed, victory, in victory you can rely when Jesus is your ally. In victory you can rely when Jesus, our Lord, is your ally. Brothers and sisters, do you want to be on the Lord's side? Do you want Him to be your ally? Do you want Him to be on your side to fight for you? Then only one thing is necessary. Repent of your rebellious ways and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Accept Him as the true Lord of your life and the one who has saved you. For that is the proof that God fights for us. Jesus is the proof that God fights for us. Brothers and sisters, have you chosen your ally? I hope you have. And I hope you have made the right choice. Or I hope that you will make the right choice. And let me tell you, Jesus is the right choice. Because in victory you can rely when Jesus, our Lord, is your ally. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we just want to give thanks to you for this passage on Joshua chapter 10. Thank you for reminding us that even though the world would gang up on us, we need not be afraid. We need not find any other ally, ally to help us if there is none as long as we have you on our side. Father, thank you for showing us your power and thank you for showing us that victory comes only from you. For you have already won it all by giving us your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and to raise up from the dead to defeat death and sin once and for all. Father, we give thanks for this wonderful truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.